Welcome to Cal St. G Academy, the educational podcast of the Parish of Calvary St. George's. These podcasts are intended to inform and deepen your faith so that you can share your faith thoughtfully with the world around you. For more information about the parish, go to calvarystgeorges.org. And now, break out your moleskin prayer journal, and let's get started. The Year of the Bible is a series of Cal St. G Academy. Each episode will cover a new book of the Bible in a concise, in-depth, and ultimately edifying way. These lectures are recorded live each week at Calvary Church in New York City. All right, so Colossians, again, we're talking about what a lot of people call the Pauline corpus. What this means is the, the works either written by Paul or Paul with one of his disciples, or by his disciples, something like that. And these range from the book of Romans in our New Testament all the way through to the book of Hebrews, which is interesting because nobody actually thinks that Paul wrote Hebrews now, but it is within what's known as that Pauline corpus. And that'll become interesting uh, next week, actually the week after next week, when Doug teaches on Hebrews. But... So we're going to start with Colossians. Colossians is one of what's known as Paul's prison letters. In the letter itself, Paul talks about being in chains. He talks about being in prison. And he's writing to this church at Colossae because false teachers have come in. Now, a lot of Paul's letters are these occasional letters. He's writing to a community because a problem or crisis Arises, And in this one, these false teachers, according to Paul, are denigrating Jesus. They're saying things like, uh, there's this mediation between God and humanity. A mediation even between Jesus and humanity. And the mediators are these angels or archons. Uh, and we need to appease or manipulate these intermediaries in order to reach God, Jesus. So, there are these, this is not uncommon in an ancient uh, view of the universe, an ancient cosmology, that there are these kind of hierarchy of cosmic powers, and they would o- they're only going to permit access to the higher-ups, or you can only get through that hierarchy by performing ascetic uh, Activities, which essentially are like fasting or like, you know, in contemporary day, we hear people who like whip themselves or something like that. Um, But here, they're saying essentially these teachers that have come into Colossae, a community that was uh, essentially missionaries came to, and they're saying, yeah, you got to do these things to gain the favor of these angels, these archons. Uh, And so Paul writes to the church at Colossae, because he's like, this is crazy. This is not what I taught you at all. So, how does Paul combat this notion? Well, the book of Colossians has some of uh, what's called the highest Christology in all of the New Testament. It's Christology just means how we understand the person of Jesus. Uh, a low Christology, a very low would be, well, Jesus is just a human A high Christology would be, well, Jesus is, in fact, God and human. Uh, So in this letter, Paul writes that Jesus is supreme 
over all of creation. He goes so far as to write that not only is Jesus preeminent over all created things, all things find their being in Jesus, but also that Jesus is the pre-existent one. So again, this is kind of language we say in our creed, language we think of God when we think of, or of Jesus when we think of Jesus as God and human. But in this letter, that is being made clear. We hear, hear words like, in him, all of the fullness of deity dwelt. And he is from before creation. And by that, Paul does not mean like, well, Jesus is like, before temporal, but he is above, he is beyond all of creation. Uh, so essentially, all I really want you to remember about the book of Colossians, so that we can actually remember things that are going on in each of these three books, is that Jesus is equated with the creator. Jesus is also called the mediator, and there is no one else, no angel, no archon, nothing else stands between You and God. Jesus is that mediator. This is really where we kind of see that kind of push for understanding Jesus as like God incarnate. Um, So Paul, in light of what he said, Jesus is the preeminent one, the preexistent one. In him all things kind of hold together. He writes that we have been united with this Jesus by the Spirit And that because of this, this results in Christ-like behavior. So the Christ-like behavior that Paul talks about results from this preeminent one who is the mediator between God and humanity and who has reconciled us. So again, what is Paul pushing back at? You need to assuage these mediators. He's saying Jesus is the only mediator. And he's essentially assuaged it. And out of that come Paul's imperatives to forgive and to love. Moving on to 1 Thessalonians. Now, 1 Thessalonians is probably the first letter that Paul has written that we have in our New Testament. Notice it's not at the the front. Romans is put at the front. Romans is probably some of Paul's uh, most uh, experienced thought later in life. Uh, but 1 Thessalonians is, is very early, like maybe you know, in the 40s AD. We don't know for sure. But what we do know about this Thessalonica, Thessalonians, Thessalonica, is that Paul was run out of this city because of persecutions. Uh, and Paul is really worried about this city. Again, this is an occasional letter. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica because he's been run out. They're experiencing persecution. Uh, How are they doing? Are they capitulating? Are they standing firm? What are they doing? So he sends Timothy, his fellow worker, who we hear about in a bunch of letters. There's even books written to Timothy that we'll get to later. And Timothy has this great news. Do not be afraid. The church at Thessalonica, it's staying strong. Uh, And Paul, in his letter, you see him relieved and overjoyed at this news. Again, his first letter that we have, at least in our canon, and first letter that we have, um, and he is, the the whole first half of this letter is just excitement. Oh, I can't believe it. I was so worried about you. Um, And then saying, essentially, you've experienced the same thing that I've experienced, the same thing that Christ experienced, this persecution. 
So in the first half of the letter, Paul's really just reinforcing all that they already know considering the gospel. And it's a letter of thanksgiving. But in the second part of the letter, Paul does go on to say that you guys do need, you're doing great and all, but you need further precision. And the way he unpacks this is to say, he makes clear, again, this is the first letter that we have from Paul, that Christians are living in the end times. And this isn't a cause to be afraid. It's a cause for hope. It's a cause for joy, namely because Jesus is coming. And in 1 Thessalonians, we see Paul emphasizing that this may, in fact, happen now. In fact, he emphasizes this imminent coming of Jesus in this letter. And he's writing this because it it looks like, reading between the lines of his letter, that they were people at Thessalonica who had stood firm under persecution, and some of these people had died. And these people were like, well, we, we heard Jesus is coming right away. Like, what about the people who have died? Well, Paul makes clear that those who have fallen asleep, is the language he uses, will be risen. And they, along with us, will meet Christ in the air. This is essentially saying, and this is appropriate for all saints Sunday, is that for those who have died, And again, this is the first generation after Christ. They will be resurrected. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve those we lose with a living hope that this is not the end. We do not need to submit to despair. And then, just like at the end of Colossians, out of all of this, Paul talks about Christian living, and he emphasizes holiness And he also emphasizes, uh, which must have been a thing in Thessalonica, uh, don't be living in sexual promiscuity. Uh, So holiness and and purity, essentially. And remember, in in Colossians, he's emphasizing forgiveness and love. And again, all this flowing out of what Christ has done for us. So I'm going to move now to 2 Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, as you can imagine, is the, the book after First Thessalonians. And it's really interesting in relationship with First Thessalonians. Because if you were paying attention, in First Thessalonians, Paul emphasizes the imminent coming of Christ. In this second letter, a new crisis emerges, and Paul has to write a new letter to, under, to, to uh, essentially correct inaccurate understandings of what it means to live in the end times. It seems that there were some who were like, okay, the coming of Christ is imminent. I'm going to quit my job. I'm not going to work. Everything, it's happening right now. And so for the people who were working, uh, they were like, how how do we maintain this community? Because Christ isn't coming this second. Like, what do we do? Um, And so in this letter, Paul talks about a series of, a sequence of events occurring before Jesus' return. And and this is is very popular stuff in, I guess, popular culture. The man of lawlessness will come. This is the text that emphasizes the Antichrist. Now, again, I think we, in our own day, have new misunderstandings of this because 
This is all very Jewish apocalyptic language. This is kind of symbolic and mysterious. And we're, when we're like, oh, this person is the Antichrist and it will end, the time will end, we're actually committing the exact error that he's trying to combat, ironically enough, in Second Thessalonians. He's saying, essentially, Second Thessalonians is the flip side of the same coin. Be watchful. It's the message of Advent. The imminent coming, Christ is coming imminently. Second Thessalonians is another side of that coin. There are, it's not coming right away. You see, there's like a dialectic there. Live as if he's coming right away. Second Thessalonians, there's a sequence of events. We are indeed living in the end times, but don't go in time. No, I was going to say Times Square, Union Square, and announce the end is coming on December 12th, 2020, you know, whatever. Um, be watchful indeed, but the day may not come today. So there's that dialectic for you and me. We are living in the end times. Christ could come at any minute, and yet Christ may not come this second. This is where we have that text, a day in the eyes of the Lord is like, thousand years so what does that mean so yeah potentially the message of that is what i said and don't quit your day jobs and don't worry about impending judgment it seems like the thessalonians were were really worried about jesus coming being associated with impending judgment being watchful in second thessalonians means doing good to the community to your neighbor Interestingly enough, Paul in 2 Thessalonians does not have any kind of conception of changing culture, changing the Roman Empire, anything like that. And how could he, right? They're this small Jewish sect. He essentially says, live orderly. Do good to those around you. It's a very kind of simple and tangible way to live out the gospel. So essentially, that's really all I want to say, because I don't want to get too far into this, but I want to recap all three of these letters. So Colossians bears witness to this cosmic Christ. Jesus who is preeminent over all of creation. He's preexistent. He's the sole mediator between God and humanity because he is in fact the one in whom all the fullness of deity dwells. And he has reconciled us to him through his atonement. That's an extension of that notion of him being the mediator. 1 Thessalonians talks about how Christians are living in the end times. Be watchful. This is the Advent text. Those who have fallen asleep in the faith, those who have died, we do not need to grieve over them like we would if we had no hope of resurrection. But we and they will meet Christ when he comes again. So grieve, but do not be afraid. And 2 Thessalonians, again, The flip side, we are living in the end times. But don't be afraid. Don't quit your day job. Don't make predictions on when it's going to happen. What being watchful means is doing good to your neighbor, loving them, forgiving them, essentially being holy. But again, that's all born out of this great hope that Christians have. Hope That Jesus is coming soon. We don't know what that means, but he's coming. But he might not come today. 
Thanks for tuning into this episode of Cal St. G Academy. All of these podcasts are recorded at live events and lectures hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. Want to hear more? Stop by the church sometime and attend one of these events live. Or swing by one of our many services where we seek to rightly divide the word of truth week by week with sermons that always point to where we end and God begins. Find out more about all of our events and offerings by visiting calvarystgeorges.org. And if these free podcasts have meant something to you and you feel led to support our ministry, head on over to calvarystgeorges.org slash giving and make a donation today. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.